quietness of um, a little time this afternoon. Uh, God uh, just moved me in a different direction. And so, uh, the early afternoon service, I, I really like those. I was not able to do them very often uh, at our church because of I just just didn't have the I didn't have the, enough time to get ready and I didn't want to uh, already felt like I wasn't always prepared as well as I should but it just really put a, uh, more of a strain on me than uh, than I thought that uh, should be and uh, I didn't want to give just crumbs you know uh, I want to give what God has given to me, and sometimes, uh, sometimes what God gives to a preacher, um, He doesn't give it all uh, because He, first of all, He doesn't have the time to give it all, and uh, secondly, not everything that God gives the preacher is for the congregation. Sometimes it's just for the preacher. So um, it's always good to when you get behind the pulpit and preach a message that should be full. And so that uh, you can give, uh, you can give what the Lord would have for you to give to uh, your hearers. I said all that to say that uh, I'm not full on this. I just just got it hot off the press, so I just wanted to let you know it could stand a little bit more time. Uh, but my goal um, uh, for every congregation is that they have a walk with the Lord. Uh, a personal walk uh, is so vitally important to to your life as a believer. You have to have that walk. It's not just for some people. It's for all of God's people. God is not satisfied with a mediocre walk. He wants a close walk. With you and I. That's why. Uh, that's why a lot of of our walk is a strained walk, so to speak. I'm talking now about as a believer. Um, so oftentimes uh, we could, you know, show our uh, our walk like this. You know, this is the way we are. <laughs> I'd love to have one about like this. Boy, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? Uh, I'm looking forward to actually to that walk where there's no lows. And, uh, um, but uh, unfortunately, um, and I'm not trying to make excuse here, but I am looking at the reality of things. We are mere sinners saved by the grace of God. We are, uh, God is, uh, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for a purpose and adds unto good works. In other words, um, when the work that God did in us uh, concerning salvation, that work is continuing. That's why Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean? Does that mean you have to maintain your salvation through works? No. That means the work that God has done inside of you at the moment of salvation, you and I should be actively involved in allowing that work to to move to the outside, to to to, uh, to uh, begin uh, that work from the inside to the outside. In other words, um, good works accompany salvation. True salvation will produce good works. That does not mean 
that uh, uh, that if you are uh, if you're doing good works that you are in itself right with God. But I'm just saying to you, God does not save us to set. He, that is a, that is a, you know, that's opposite. We are, uh, the moment that we're saved, God puts in our hearts a desire. Uh, that desire is growing. It should grow. It's intended to grow. And it's going to manifest its desire uh, through our actions and uh, uh, through our acts that we do, through our words that we speak. Through our burdens that we have, uh, we will be broken uh, over uh, someone or bro- even broken over someone's sin at times. I mean, there's the work that God does at the moment of salvation is designed to continue. It's not designed to, okay, God save me. Uh, let me get that ticket out. Okay, I'm going to put it up here and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, when I need that, that, that salvation, then I'll, I will go get it. That is not salvation, and I'm, I'm just really troubled at how, and I've said this in the past, how I think preachers in their desire to want to um, convince men to get saved, uh, they have shortened um, the description of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It does not stop the moment that we receive the gospel. The work of God has only begun in the individual person. Um, what what is one of the works that God is doing in our in our lives? Well, He's He is working to grow us, right? Um, he does that through the Word of God. If newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word that they may grow thereby, it is it is absolutely true that it is the Word of God that grows us, but. There's another aspect of that verse, and it says, and it says this, uh, that babes desire. So God gives you that desire. Um, uh, what's your name? Corey. Corey, Corey uh, uh, he's getting to be pretty, pretty big, getting to be a young man. You're going to find that he wants to do a lot of things, and you're going to have to. At some, some of those things he wants to do, he's just not ready. He's not old enough. He's not strong enough or whatever. Uh, uh, but he has a, he's going to have that desire. If he doesn't already, he probably does. Uh, he wants to be like Dad. He wants to do what Dad does. He wants to, you know, he, he just, he's going to be like his dad. His dad does no wrong. His dad's the greatest man on the face of the earth. Okay? That desire that God gives to us at the moment of salvation is a desire to grow. I, honestly, I, I'm going to say this, and I, I'm not trying to be judgmental, but I have a real problem of people that profess to be saved for 50 years or 40 years or 20 years, and there's no desire. They're like dead. Where is that? It's, I, I'm not nobody special. Who am I? I'm nobody. I'm just, a, just an old wretch. I was saved as an adult. I've got a baggage. When I came into this... Uh, into the, uh, a new relationship with Christ, I came in with baggage. And you say, no, no, your, your sins are all forgiven. You're right. But there is also a law that accompanies every soul that's born in this world. It's the law of sowing and reaping. And uh, a lot of times we don't understand salvation when we, we think of salvation. Oh, we've been, we've been saved from 
you know, uh, from the uh, uh, from the judgment of God uh, in in regards to going to hell. I mean, God has saved us. He's He's redeemed us. He's He's going to He's making a, a place for us in heaven. We're going to spend eternity with Him. But there is one particular law that so oftentimes goes goes unnoticed as a law of sowing and reaping. What you sow as a lost person, you still can possibly reap as a saved person. A lot of my regrets as a, as a believer is what I did as a lost person, and a lot of reaping that I've done in the past is, is a result of, my, of, of what I did as a lost person. You say, no, 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 that's not true. It is true. Um, it is true. If you're a thief before you got saved, guess what? You're going to reap what you sowed to the flesh. You, you, that, that Because that's a law. Be not, uh, be not deceived. God's not mocked for whatsoever man soweth, except, he say, except if he gets saved. That shall he also reap. Doesn't say that. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. So, as a Christian now, it's always good to get saved early, first of all, so God can help you uh, deal with your flesh. Uh, number two, that you hopefully will have minimal regrets as you live for the Lord at an early age. And. Uh, uh, it just it just causes problems in, in your walk. It just does. You know, when you sow the flesh, um, when you sin, let's just put this, when you sin and you don't get caught, nothing happens. Do you know it's e not only easier to sin the next time, but you have a greater desire to sin the next time doing that same thing. And so every time you sow, your, your desire increases in what you're sowing. Everybody, everybody see that? Now, I am really trying to help you on a very personal level here this afternoon. Okay, I'm not your pastor, but I do have a concern of, of your walk and, and my walk. I need this too. So, uh, and I'm glad you're here because um, your faithfulness in the afternoon service tells me something. Okay? Not putting everybody else down. It's not here. There's some people have to legitimately leave, and I, I get that. But this this is the messages that I preach to those that show a desire to do something for the Lord. Okay. But I'll just be honest with you. We can't serve and please God in our flesh, and our flesh is our worst enemy. And so, uh, what? What I like to focus on is our personal walk. You know, we're constantly, this is the kind of the way our, our, um, our walk with our Lord is. So oftentimes, don't like to admit it, um, but it is absolutely true. Um, last time I preached the afternoon service, we talked about um, that, uh, that terrible um, catch-22, that circular uh, merry-go-round that Satan so oftentimes will get us on as we, um, uh, especially on those sins that kind of beat us down, those, uh, uh, those sins that uh, the writer of Hebrews uh, talks about, 
those which so easily besets us. The reason that they easily beset us is we have committed them so many times it's very hard to resist them now. The willpower is just about gone, okay? So we find ourselves yielding to that temptation with very little effort of resistance. Now, let me just say to uh, all of us in here, um, even though God is gracious and long-suffering and merciful to us, we're not doing ourselves any favors the longer that we prolong dealing with those sins. That's why it's always important uh, to, to have short accounts with God. In other words, you know, if you've sinned ten times today, don't wait till tomorrow to confess any of them. You t- deal with them the day that they happen. Because what happens is the longer that there's a space between the act of the sin and the confession of the sin, the longer time you're going to be out of fellowship with God. If it's a knowable sin, okay, if you know that what you did is a sin, you know you need to get it right with God. The Spirit of God is dealing with you on that. The longer that you take to get right with God, that is a, that is a period of time that there is no fellowship. There is no leading of God in our lives. In other words, leading, uh, directing to the Word of God how, what we are to do, how we are to live. Um, and so it's important, so important to deal with sin not in my wife's life or, or your children's lives, but your life and my life first. You know, the, the principle there of the, uh, of the beam and the moat in the eyes of those, you, know, don't, you, you can't help anybody that has a moat in their eye until you deal with that beam. Um, anytime we linger in sin, all of a sudden our outlook, our, our perception of things, is all of a sudden it's distorted. It, and it gets distorted more and more the longer that we live in a state of unconfessed sin. And so, you know, so I know myself, and I'm, I, I am preaching to myself here. I know the dangers of it. I know the consequences of it. I know that nothing good comes out of it. It's all bad. <laughs> it's all bad. The longer that we stay away from our Lord, separated from God in fellowship, the longer we get used to being apart from God in fellowship. Is that good? No. That is not good. We need the mind of Christ in every aspect of our lives. And let me just say that when we're apart from God, distanced by because of our sin that we've coddled or whatever we do uh, with it, um, is... Uh, is wasted time, and eventually it's going to end in misery. Uh, nothing more miserable than a miserable Christian. Nothing more. Lost person? I mean, they're pathetic. But miserable, being miserable uh, uh, in a believer's life is it far outranks the world. You know, uh, a lost person is filled with hatred, Okay. A lot, of, a lot of what they do is uh, acts of revenge and getting back and, you know, hating this and, you know, and their whole entire life is spent on, 
on, uh, you know, focused around, you know, somebody doing me wrong and I'm going to get back at them. I'm going to show them. I'm going to do this. And, but when a child of God is separate from his Savior in, in his walk, nothing looks good. Nothing. There's no, there's no roses blooming. There's no fragrance submitting. It is, it's a stinking life without the fellowship of God. And you're mis- you and I are miserable when that happens. So our, should, our goal, or I should say a Christian's goal, should be uh, those times when we find ourselves, um, you know, making provisions for sins or making excuse for them or whatever we do in relation to that sin to prolong uh, dealing with that sin um, need we need to deal with that and make that time shorter and shorter and shorter. No one has joy when you're living with unconfessed. Your joy's gone. It's gone. You're, where's your joy? Well, you know, I had it yesterday, but you don't have it today, and you will not have it until the joy of your salvation is restored. That restoration only comes as a believer now with confessing our sin. God restores. That's the whole entire ministry is about restoration, right? So, anyway, just uh, kind of a summary of what we talked about before. Uh, Luke chapter 7, I want to hear in this portion of Scripture, our Lord is, uh, uh, He has been bidden by a Pharisee in verse number 39 to come and have, uh, uh, come and have uh, a meal with him, and uh, so he enters into the house, and uh, we find uh, that while he is there, there's a woman in verse 37. Uh, the Bible says, "There's a, a behold a woman in the city which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment, stood at his feet, behold be, behind him weeping." And began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner." And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Simon saith, Master, say on. There was a credit, a certain creditor which had two debtors, and the one owed five hundred pence and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he, the, the creditor, frankly forgave them both. And that would be a blessing, wouldn't it? Uh, a creditor come to you and instead of calling you up and say when are you going when are you going to make that next payment they say listen i i'm going to just erase all your debt yeah when's that when's that happen last right uh, but the scenario here that uh, Christ poses to P, uh, to Peter in uh, uh, verse number 43 Simon answered and said now this is extremely important uh, there's two messages here one is uh, uh, one is about Love and the other one is about judging. Have you heard? Uh, have you heard about uh, this thing that Christians should not judge? Well, that's a lie. 
Christians not only should judge, uh, they, uh, they, they are judging. It's not a matter of judgment or judging somebody. It's a matter of what you're using to judge them by. If it's merely your own personal opinion, well, no, that's wrong. But there is a right judge judgment that you and I ought to acquire in our lives as a believer. We need to judge right. We have to judge right. Man, things are a topsy-turvy in our, in our world. Uh, is homosexual, homosexuality right? Is it? Well, you're a judge. What right do you have to judge? You have every right to judge according to the Word of God. That's my point here. Uh, some have used uh, this, mad, this verse about uh, judge not lest you be judged as, a, as an excuse to do sin. And, and you're not supposed to say anything because if you do, you're a judge. You judge. You're a judge. We're supposed to judge. We're to judge righteous judgment. Verse 40, uh, 43, Simon answered and said, I suppose... Now, the question is here, verse number 4, when he, when he had, uh, uh, when, and when they had nothing to pay, frankly, forgave them both. Tell me, here's the question he's posing to Peter, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, thou hast rightly judged. The Lord didn't say, well, you judge. You can't judge. You, you're not supposed to judge people. Actually, God was questioning, the question that the Lord Jesus Christ posed to Peter was for him to judge. And it's important for Christians. We should not be ashamed to judge righteously. Uh, it, it implies, uh, 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 right judgment implies that we are right. That's why we got to get the beam out. Uh, it implies that uh, we should judge because, uh, because, uh, 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 doing right, if we are not seeing how uh, seeing and discerning right from wrong, we are destined to do wrong. Um, and if we're going to be a follower of Christ, we need to know what's right and wrong. So Jesus, in response to the answer to Peter's uh, to Peter's response, said, "Thou hast rightly judged." But that's not the message this afternoon. The message this afternoon is what Peter says here when he says, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most, when he asked the question to, to Simon, which of them will love him most? Now, uh, I don't want you to misunderstand me when I, when I talk about this. The greatest, I believe the greatest testimony that you can have is one that I will never have. I was not saved as a child. I was saved as an adult. I, I, was not, I do not look back on my childhood um, uh, looking at it as God, as God gave me a wonderful Christian home. I didn't have a Christian home. I always, when Brother Boer gives his testimony of his of childhood, I thought, man, you have no... Uh, he may, he may, but but he really doesn't understand, doesn't know what a blessing that is, coming from a home that was nothing like that. Uh, I could not wait 
to get out of the house. I couldn't wait. And finally, I ended up getting kicked out of my house. And, uh, uh, and just uh, just a, really a bad, uh, a bad time. I do not, when I think of the past, I, don't, I just kind of glaze over that time. It was a rough time, uh, Dad. My dad, my dad didn't, he, I love my dad. He, he, did, he did a lot of good things, but there were some things he really messed up on. He's a sinner, just like everybody else. So I'm not pointing my, uh, looking down my nose at him, but I'm just saying I do not have fond memories there. I have regrets of things I did prior to salvation. I have regrets after salvation. Uh, but having a childhood that is centered around the things of God is such a blessing. Um, the baggage is minimal if you continued to live for the Lord. And that's important as we live for Christ in these days. Simon, which one of these uh, debtors that was forgiven all of their debt loves the most? Peter, who, who, which one of these? That means this, that love can be measurable. Okay? You and I love God as much as we want to. If someone else loves God more, it's because they want to love God more. It's not because you've got the short end of the stick. You are as close to God as you want to be. You and I didn't get the short stick on that. That's a, The disciples said, John, John, ask him. They were there. What? Have you ever wondered why they didn't ask him? Why would why would they they were around the they were around the table, the campfire, whatever it was there. They were sitting around within within uh probably closer to to uh uh arm distance from him around the table and uh, they certainly didn't have to raise their voice for the Lord Jesus to hear them. But they whispered to to, uh, to John. John, ask ask the Lord this question for us. Would you Would you mind? Where is Where's John at? Well, he's laying right there on his breast, laying there just as close as he. Why? Because that's where he wanted to be. You know, sometimes we look at others who just really the the joy of the Lord is just in, just comes out in them, and we think, boy, I sure would like to be like that. You see, the, you see the results of being close. What we ought to be asking or, or desiring is to be as close as that person is to Christ. Not so much as, uh, you know, he's a joy to be around, because that will come the closer we get to Christ, right? The closer we are to him, the more we're going to emulate him. The more we love him, the more we're going to emulate him. But... Uh, just a couple things here. These, these are just a couple thoughts I just wanted to share with you this afternoon. I said I'd be briefer than I was uh, the main service. I, I didn't say brief. I said briefer. But I see in this passage um, that l- our love for Christ is directly in proportion to our knowledge of all that he has forgiven us. Now, I'm not saying that we have to sin a lot in order for our love to grow. 
Okay, I'm not saying that because I'll just be honest with you. If a person gets saved at five or six, God has God has forgiven a lot of sins in their life. He has forgiven their sin, which is comprised of uh, not only their you know their condition, but also their the acts that they're even going to do later on. He's forgiven it all. When Christ forgives us, He forgives our our past, our present, and Unfortunately, uh, the future sins that we commit doesn't give us a right to sin, doesn't give us a license to sin. The reality of it is we're still a sinner. Uh, we're just saved by grace, and uh, uh, that grace is bestowed upon us, uh, uh, enables us to spend eternity with Christ. That's what that means. So um, sometimes uh, in trying to reach the lost, we, uh, we you know, glamorize sin. You know, uh, anybody ever hear of Carl Hatch? Carl Hatch was a, uh, um, he, uh, before he was saved, he was an old drunk. Uh, he, he, after he got saved, he became an evangelist. But when he was lost, he was an old drunk, and he just was a, just a rascal. Uh, and he would beat his wife, and just, you know, he would spend the, he would spend the money to come in, uh, you know, on booze. And one night... Uh, he was down at the bar, and he was just as sloppy drunk as he could be. And he goes, staggers over the phone, picks up the phone, calls his home, calls his wife, and he says, I'm coming home to kill you. Now, in the midst of his life with his wife, he had a neighbor uh, that, that loved the Lord and was not ashamed of the Lord and would tell Carl Hatch every time he saw him, the Lord loves you. Drove him crazy. The Lord loves you, Carl. That night when he was, uh, he was at the bar, he, he called his wife, told her he's coming home to kill her, and he hung up the phone and staggered out the door. That, at that time of year, was very, it was a dead, dead of winter, very cold, and where he was at, it had, had snowed that day, and there was quite a bit of snow on the, on the streets. And so as he's staggering down the sidewalk, towards his house, however far away it was. He slipped and fell, and he, when he fell, he fell in between some parked cars there along the sidewalk. Well, the snow plows were out trying to uh, get everything, you know, uh, in shape where, the, you know, people could go to work and things the next day. And so the snow plows would begin to make their rounds through the, the, the city. Every time they'd pass where he fell, it would throw snow up on top of the car, parked cars, and, and in between them, and right where Carl Hatch was at. And he was literally uh, covered in the slush and snow uh, that had accumulated and that had been uh, thrown onto him. Long story short was he, he had frostbite, severe frostbite, uh, on most of his body, even uh, even 30 years afterwards, the frostbite had taken such a toll on him that he would have to take baths every day, a couple of times a day, uh, because of the of the effects of that of that frost. And I don't understand what all entails in that, but I just know that he had to take baths every day, or else the pain was just excruciating. The end of the story was not was not a bad ending. It was a good ending. 
he was saved as a result of the experience that he had. And, while, and when he was in the hospital, um, he was visited uh, uh, by those that knew the Lord and tried to witness to him. And eventually, uh, Carl Hatch got saved. Now, now I said all of that uh, to say this. That is not a good testimony. Young people, that is not a good testimony. You should not strive to have that kind of a testimony. You, it is wonderful that the grace of God reached all the way down to Carl Hatch, but I'm going to tell you something. That is not a good testimony. Carl Hatch had to deal with his, uh, with the baggage that he had in his life the rest of his adult life as a believer as well. In other words, the consequences of sin does not end when you and I get saved. It doesn't. And, and what we sow to our flesh, the desires that we, uh, that we allow to increase in our flesh, doesn't magically go away when we're saved. Sometimes, and we know this by, by others, that you know, they'll go strong for a while in the Lord, and then all of a sudden, boom, boy, they just get knocked down. And all of a sudden, they're, they're, uh, they're looking... Uh, very similar uh, as, as far as living their life as they once did prior to salvation. There's a legitimate uh, um, reason that uh, we need to avoid at all costs sowing to the flesh, if all humanly possible. And when we get saved, thank God, we can start sowing to the Spirit. Amen? I'm getting to a place where uh, the, the seeds of, uh, that I've sown to the Spirit are outweighing the seeds that I sowed to the flesh. <laughs> And that's a blessing. But there's no seed that we sow in our, in our flesh and to our flesh that ever is good. And there's no good outcome to that. And so what I'm saying is, in, in our desire to see people saved, sometimes we glamorize sin. And I've heard that story from many preachers over the years about the one of the wickedest Drunk and good, no good uh, drunks in town, how God miraculously saved him. And then you've got somebody over here. My wife, for example, had never experienced anything like that. She was saved at a young age. She don't have a, uh, that kind of a suitcase of, uh, of junk in her life that, she has, that, that God saved her from. But nonetheless, God saved her from sin. We find here in this portion of Scripture that... How aware we are to the amount of forgiveness that God has extended to us does, in fact, correlate, correlate to our love. In other words, the more we recognize how much God has forgiven us, it only brings about an increase of our love to Him. That's what it's saying. Jesus is Simon. Which, two, uh, which of these two debtors uh, loved uh, the creditor the most after they were forgiven of all of their debt? Jesus said, or, or, or Simon said, well, I suppose the one who was forgiven the most. Now, the only way that that love can, can increase is not because of how much the Lord Jesus forgave, or in this case, the creditor uh, forgave, but how aware the debtor was to how much 
he was forgiven. You see that? You know, we, we live in a society where most of the young people, they are ingrates. Man, I can't believe the ingratitude that has absolutely permeated our society. Not just for this generation coming up, but uh, we've got a couple generations that, I mean, it is, it is absolutely uh, blatant. You know, they deserve some things because they're in America. No, they don't. Where did they get that? Now, I know people that did without when I was a kid. They're some of the most grateful people I know. God, uh, uh, God is not a respecter of person. He doesn't show favoritism. I do know some ingrates that have had have been given so much, <laughs> and they don't even realize it. They think actually not only did they uh, uh, were they given it, but they they think that they deserve it. You deserve to buy me a car, mom, dad, because I'm your son. You deserve to give me that. You, I deserve this. No, we don't. We don't deserve any. The only thing really we deserve is to be separated from God and all eternity. That's what we deserve for our sin, right? But there's an attitude that's permeated our society. It's a, it's an ingra, it's a ingratitude. We've got a, we got a bunch of ingrates walking around today, uh, breathing God's air, uh, uh, eating God's food, walking on God's earth. I mean, God has given to them everything that they need, and they don't even rec- they don't even acknowledge most of their life in their life that, that there's a God who is gra- is a gracious God, a loving God, a good God. But our love is directly proportionate to our acknowledgement, our, uh, uh, our awareness of just the magnitude of God's forgiveness in our own personal life. We ought not to generalize that. I was talking to someone outside uh, after the service, and he was talking about, um, uh, he was talking about his, you know, himself, and uh, just, you know, he wouldn't give me any details about some things, but I knew that there were just some Issues in his life concerning sin, just his dealing with them, and and uh, and and uh, he said, "I, you know, I I thought I was pretty good. Uh, I thought I was pretty good, for, and but now it's like, oh, it's just, and I said this to him, and, and this is what I wanted to tell you today. That whenever, whenever you realize the amount of forgiveness you that you've received from the Lord Jesus Christ, it will increase your love. And when your love increases, it will cause you to draw closer to God. It's just a normal, normal response. In this passage of Scripture, he, we see in verse number 44, uh, And Jesus turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she has washed my feet with tears. How close do you have to be for that? When, it, when she first started, she started on the outside. When she heard Jesus was there, she went inside. First thing we, uh, we, we see here of her position uh, uh, with Christ there is that she's standing behind him. How far away? 
I don't know, but she was farther than she is here. Somewhere between the time she was standing behind him and the time we get to verse number 44, she has drawn closer to the Lord. She's drawn there. Uh, she's so close that her, the tears on her uh, coming out of her own eyes are falling on the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's pretty close. I uh, can't get much closer than that. Actually, positionally, she shouldn't have. Uh, that's a good place to be, right at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you can get there, um, get there. Amen. Uh, goes on and says, uh, uh, and wipe them with the hairs of her head. Got to be pretty close to get uh, to wipe uh, uh, wipe uh, someone's feet. Uh, 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 if you're, uh, you know, if you've got long hair like that, you got to get close enough. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. That's getting pretty close. She drew, my point is, she drew nigh to God. And when you and I draw nigh to God, it's the result of our love for God. Our love for God is a result of our realizing, acknowledging, uh, seeing just what God has done for us. It goes deeper than just God's forgiven me all my sins. What are your sins? Have you stopped to think about it? Now, I'm not saying we need to become so introverted, uh, introspective that, you know, we, you know, we, we get weird, okay? But it is, it is important, and for the sake of our love for the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to revisit that on a regular basis. What has God forgiven me of? He has forgiven me of all of the acts of sin that I've committed. Some of them are pretty disgusting. I mean, even in our society, they're disgusting, right? All sins disgusting before God, but you know, we, we kind of categorize. We, we got them you know, from one to ten, you know, the worst to the least. All sins disgusting to God. So we, so we see here that she's drawn closer to him. Verse 46, my head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, watch this very closely, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Now, I want to stop there and say to, to all of us here, I, this passage is not promoting sin. That, and that we need to go out and sin as much as we can so that God can forgive us so, uh, so much more than, quote-unquote, somebody else, so that we can love more. That's not what this passage is about, and that's not what this passage uh, is indicating. If we, if we read over it briefly, maybe... Uh, without really contemplating, considering what he's saying here, uh, we could get, uh, come out with a conclusion that that's what it's meaning, but it's not. The realization is when God forgives a person, he forgives a lot. There's not one person that's been, been saved that God hasn't had to forgive a multitude of sins. How many sins do we commit a day? I, I thought I'd try that one. I'd try, try to figure out, you know, one day. 
Let's see what, just how many sins I've committed. Okay, let me think. Um, I probably sin maybe uh, five times a day. I'll just try, conservatively speaking, five times a day. Because sin is not just with uh, action, but it's also you can have sins of the heart, right? If a man looketh on a, a woman to lust after, he already committed adultery in his heart. So there's there are sins of the mind. There's there's sins of action, right? So okay, um, you know I get I only get mad uh, uh, when I'm behind the wheel, about every time I'm behind the wheel. Okay, so let's figure that out. Let's calculate all that out. So five is five times a day, plus you know times seven, times, or I should say times 365 times, and then I calculated my years and came up with more than I had ever dreamed of. I mean, and that, and that was just my limited understanding of my sin. So oftentimes we commit sins so often and regular that they aren't, they aren't that uh, noticeable in our lives. In other words, we're not, we've kind of not seared our conscience, but uh, we've done injustice to our conscience that limits our conscience from reminding us more firmly, okay? Uh, we, can, we can grieve the Spirit of God where He will kind of pull withdrawal from us. And, um, you know, that's a dangerous place to get. But nonetheless, um, uh, our love for Christ is directly uh, in uh, proportion to how, how much we're aware of the amount of sins that the Lord Jesus has forgiven us of. Our love for Christ draws us to Him, as we see here, as a result of her acknowledgement, her understanding, her realization of just how much of a sinner she was. And, you know, um, when love... Uh, begins to work, it will also work in the direction of ourselves as a believer drawing our, ourselves to the Lord. But here's where, and this is the point I want to try to get to. I've, I've kind of gotten stuck a little bit here, but this is the point I want to try to get to. As a believer that has been forgiven of their sin, as we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, and with that includes our understanding uh, of the forgiveness of Christ in our life, we begin to start drawing to Christ the light. What happens when you get closer to the light? What happens when, uh, when you're outside and uh, uh, you're walking towards your house and you have one of these motion detector lights and before it comes on, you're walking in darkness, and all of a sudden when the light comes on, what happens? You, you, all of a sudden you see the result of the light coming on. Every, everything starts uh, being exposed. There's the, uh, there's the concrete wall there or the uh, block wall there. Uh, there. My steps are up a little bit farther. Uh, there's this one uh, concrete thing that uh, one of our uh, uh, members years ago uh, uh, did for us, and I don't want to trip over that. I want to be careful. It's showing me, 
It's, it's revealing to me what's, uh, what's close to me. It's revealing to me all the way up to the light. Well, when we draw closer to God as a result of our love, as a result of our recognition of, of sin that God has forgiven in our lives. He's, he's forgiven a pass of sin in our lives. We, you know, you and I weren't a good catch when God got us, okay? He had to scrape the bottom. I, I tell people that he actually had to turn the barrel over and get me. I was so such a scumbag uh, uh, and pull me out of the muck and mire that I was in. Uh, when, but when we as believers and our love begins to grow, which it should, we start drawing to God. But the thing about drawing to God is that as we draw nearer to Christ, the light, that light reflects back onto us. And all of a sudden, I, I, I didn't see that. I didn't realize that I had dropped some spaghetti on my white shirt. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that until the light hit it just right. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize that, man, I... I need to go change. I mean, I, I, I got spaghetti all over me. You know, there was a time when I thought the tie was made for your napkin. And uh, so I've had to throw away some ties because they were saturated with things uh, from, from, uh, from my meals. But anyway, my, here's my point. As a believer who loves God and our love is increasing, there's going to be a natural desire to draw close to Him. But when we start drawing, drawing close to Him, the sin that is in our lives, maybe perhaps uh, we have um, dealt with in the past, but we've just kind of pushed it aside and just gotten discouraged about it. But that sin will come to light. The light of Christ will reveal it. The light of Christ revealing it is not to condemn us. And this is the point. When we see, as that man today said, I thought I was okay, but boy, I there just some things. And the man started tearing up, and I'm thinking, and I told him, listen, when you draw, the closer you draw to the light, the more you're going to see yourself in the light of Christ. When we go to 1 John 1, 9, there, that, that is so imperative that we understand confession of our sin. Confession of our sin has to deal with how we see what's in our life according to the light of God. It's not one of these things as we go along, oh, forgive me of my sin. You know how I am, Lord. I just can't ever get it. That is not, sorry, that's not confession of sin. You know what I saw today? I saw, I saw grieving over his sin. Boy, he's, he's a prime candidate for restoration. Prime candidate. I was so excited for him today because he has, he has started Drawing closer to God. Every step you take towards God. The Bible says draw nigh to God, He'll draw nigh to you. So every step you take, it's like taking two giant steps, right? Uh, but every time you get closer to a light, you, the light is going to reveal things that you could not see in the dark. And the farther away we are from Christ, the less that we see concerning our spiritual condition. Okay? the less that we recognize our fellowship is waning. Our fellowship is anemic. This, this woman was drawn to the light. 
as a result of her acknowledging of her sin, recognizing that she was a sinner. And when she came to Christ, Christ forgave her of all of that. And as a result of that, experiencing the forgiveness of Christ, and she knew what she was and how much God had forgiven her, there was nothing else she could do but to draw closer. Listen, are, are we drawing closer to God in our lives as a believer? Are we pretty much content with the distance that we are with, with God right now? Are we that, I mean, are we that right with God now that if we got within kissing distance of His feet that there would be the absolute cleanest shirt that I've ever owned in my life or would there be some things that were revealed? Unfortunately, we need to get to the light in order to see our condition. And that, and I say unfortunately because we should ourselves be more sensitive to sin. And so there, there is this up and down uh, uh, roller coaster perhaps if we, we want to say it, fellowship with our God. We're down, we're, we're distant, we're in a dark time, not necessarily the conditions are dark, but our fellowship with God is dark. And so after a while, we begin to, uh, God is still working on us. We're starting to, we're starting to uh, see our need to uh, get right with God. We come to God. We get, uh, uh, we get our sins confessed. God uh, restores our, our uh, fellowship with Him. We're, we're grateful. We're excited. We, our, our love for the Lord Jesus Christ begins to increase, and we start drawing even closer, and all of a sudden, there's something else there. I didn't see that before. I didn't re realize that before. I didn't recognize that before. God, I thought I was okay, but now it just seems like I'm, I'm a mess. Yeah, we are a mess. Uh, I'm going to say this. I've I got to stop here. But when you and I get saved, we, we come to God in repentance and faith. Repentance of our sins, our dead works, uh, repentance of uh, uh, of you know just what we are and what we you know we, we're turning from our sin and ourself to Christ. Some a lot of that is in uh, that that repentance is in is in relationship to direct sins. You remember the sins that you turned from when you got saved? I, I remember. There were some direct sins that God was dealing with me. But I'll just be honest with you. I, did, I had no idea how many sins that I committed. I didn't realize how many sins um, that I hadn't confessed. You say, you need to confess your sins as a lost person? I want to repent of them. How can you repent of the sins if you don't know what they are? How can we repent of a sin as a believer unless we know what they are? And so my point here is, the closer we draw to God, the more light, the closer we draw to that light, the more we're going to see of ourselves. The more we see of ourselves, the more we're going to realize our, really, truly, our spiritual condition before Him. 
Are we really right with God? Well, I think I am. I feel, I'm feeling pretty good today, preacher. Okay, I mean, I'm, that, yeah, it's between you and the Lord. But don't you really want to know if you're really, really right? I mean, don't you want to know honestly, according to the Word of God, according to the Spirit of God, according to the light of Christ as you draw to Him and He draws to you? Uh, it's inevitable that you're going to run right square dab into uh, uh, that which God reveals in your life, which is sin. So as we grow, we're going to be confronted with sins that are embedded in our lives that have been perhaps even pushed off to the side um, in our lives. So we've just, maybe out of frustration or just out of, discouragement, we just stop dealing with that, trying to deal with that sin, okay? Um, whatever, whatever the case is, as we draw nigh to God, as a result of our love for Him, God's going to reveal some things to us that perhaps has been not necessarily or consciously covered up, but they are nonetheless going to be revealed. And when that happens... It is, it is for the purpose of us to deal with sin accordingly. Not making light of it. Not, you know, just kind of blowing it off as, well, I just, you know, I tried it and I couldn't get any victory over it. So it's, it is those sins that Christ died for. Every sin that has ever been committed, Christ died for that sin. And we are, as believers, when it comes to 1 John 1, 9, are to deal with sin uh, in our lives, and in order to truly deal with sin, we have to look at that sin according, or I should say, as Christ looks at it, it ought to break our hearts. Uh, a young man today had tears in his eyes, and he was, you know what, what the problem was? And this is not a problem, but the reality of it was he was drawing nigh to God. His love has is starting to increase in his life, and as a result of his love, he's, he's, he's moving to God. He's moving towards God. He wants a fellowship with God. He wants to get close to God. Uh, this woman uh, was a terrible sinner, according to everybody around him. She was, a, uh, she was uh, an undesirable in the, uh, among the, the uh, religious people. She was just a sinner. The Lord Jesus said she was, she's sinned a lot. The truth is, every one of us has sinned a lot. What made her different than many believers was she knew. She had a, a vivid um, uh, look at just the sins that she committed. What a wretch that we are. <laughs> I know I'm not very good about, uh, uh, you know, making people feel good about themselves, but I'm just, I'm telling you, there's nothing to be proud about in us. God didn't get anything special about us. He does love us. He loves us so much that He gave His Son to die on the cross in order to pay for the sin debt that we owe. As a believer, we're to live a holy life, a Christ-honoring life, a life that is close uh, to God in fellowship. And I'm just afraid that sometimes we forget that sin in the life of a believer does not help 
in our close, our close walk with God. Matter of fact, it will keep us at bay until we deal with that sin. First John one nine goes a lot deeper than just you know, like I keep saying. It just, well, I'm sorry, Lord. I got you know now I gotta go now. I mean, it's dealing with sin. It's looking at sin how God looks at it. The only way you can really see your sin like God sees it is you get into the light that God can show, shine that light onto your sin. And you say, oh, Lord, I am so sorry. When's the last time when you confess a sin, your heart was breaking? Lord, I am so, I, I, I am so ashamed of myself as a believer. I know that's wrong. I've made, I've made provisions for that. I've excused it, Lord God, Forgive me of that filth. I am so sorry. Would you, do you believe that? If I, to, if I was to come to you and confess that, would you believe that I was sorry for that? Now, what does it take to confess your sin? Uh, Psalm 51 is a good example of confessing your sin. <laughs> David, unto thee the only have I sinned and done this wickedness. Under thee and thee only have I done this wickedness, God. And that's, that's a whole lot different than the confessions I've heard and I've done. <laughs> he, he got serious with God, didn't he? He saw, he saw what, was te- what, what had taken place in his, in his heart and his life, and he was tired of living a part of, fe- of the fellowship that, that he once enjoyed. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, Lord. My, he, he was thorough in his confession. And I'm not saying you have to use a lot of words in confession. I am saying this. You and I have to deal with our sin. Uh, uh, and it starts with how we see our sin. Because until we see our sin as God sees our sin, it's really not confession. We are just Mouthing some words. Hey, preacher, you just can't say that. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say it because I care about your walk with God. I want you to have a walk with God that is that is needful in our day. Because I'll be honest with you, the world is, every day you get up, the world's bombarding you with temptation. Every day, every day, the darts of the devil... The world's allurements, the uh, the glitter of the false of the fool's gold that's out here, continues to pull on your heart. And pretty soon, I mean, you may not be doing terrible things over here, but your your heart has drawn has not, is not drawing to God. It's it's kind of pulling away from God. When you start pulling away from God, you can't see what's going on in your heart. That's why we have to draw closer to the. That's why we need to spend more time with the Lord. That's why we need to uh, keep short accounts with the Lord. We've got to, we've got to see our sin as Christ sees it. I I don't know any other way to put it, and I'm already way over the time I said I would be. But I have a burden today for our, for um, our churches that are just floating along. Going through motions. We we visited some dead church. I told my wife, I said, that church is dead. 
it, it's not uh, it's not unrepairable, but it's dead. You know what needs to take place in that church? Individuals begin to see their sin as the Lord Jesus sees their sin. He's the one that died for that sin. He's the one that paid the price for that sin. We ought dare, dare not make light of that sin. We ought dare not to minimize that sin. That is sin that God has died for. He died for my personal sins. Why would in why under God's dear name would I want to make light of the work of salvation that God has freely given to me? Why would I want to do that? Only out of an ungrateful heart. That's all that would be. I'm so very glad that I'm saved. I'm so very glad that God has forgiven me of my sin. And I want to deal with my sin regularly in my life. I don't want sin uh, to, to, to... I don't want a place in my life where I've made uh, sin, you know, my buddy or whatever. I want, to, I want to stay... The closer I get to God, the more God will reveal my, the reality of my spiritual condition before me. I want to get close to God. Am I, am I striving for a sinless perfection? Good luck with that one, right? My flesh is still alive. Uh, every morning I'm reminded of my flesh when the alarm clock goes off. Because guess what? I should get up, but do I get up? No. i got to stay there five more minutes. Five minutes, Mom. That's my flesh. So our walk with God is imperative today. Our walk with God is going to uh, keep us... Uh, in as close to the Lord as we should be, and guess what? As we want to be, too. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for um, the Word of God, and Lord, I've done my best, and it's, uh, it's not as good as I would have liked to, but Lord, you know my heart today. You know my burden. As I see uh, just uh, Christian after Christian, professing the Lord and yet seeing their, them living defeated lives, seeing them uh, not living uh, up to their potential, the potential that God graciously gives uh, by His Holy Spirit as we are more than conquerors. We can, by Your grace, uh, be uh, to the praise of Your glory. We can, by Your uh, help and, and uh, strength, we can live the, the life that, is, uh, that you intend for us, a life of victory. Uh, we are victors. We are victorious through Christ Jesus, our Lord, and we're thankful that we have been uh, given that opportunity. Help us, Lord, to, uh, help us, Lord, please, to get serious about our walk with you. Lord, that, that requires time with you requires spending more time with you. You're always the first one that gets slighted in our busy schedules. You're always the one that uh, so oftentimes uh, gets the crumbs and not the best part of the day. We, we so oftentimes put you on the back burner, on the shelf, pull you up when we need you, when we recognize our need or just having a bad, uh, some bad circumstances. Help us, O oh God, to realize that 
You want so much more for our life as a believer. Our walk with you is so important. Help us to want that kind of a walk. And then by your grace, God, help us to experience that. Bless us as we go to our homes. Dismiss us, Lord, with thy blessings. Help us be back uh, at the next appointed time in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for your attention. God bless you.